It's 12 verses. We're going to be just fine. If you can, stand with us today, and the words will be up on the screen. They're going to be reading from the NIV translation. Um, And I'd love to have you read this out with me nice and loud for everyone to hear. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us as we look into your word today that you would speak to every heart. We want to grow in our faith. For those who are down and weary today, I pray you'd lift them up. May every word that is spoken be right from you, and may it apply to every life that's here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. All right, that's Psalm 84. Again, talking about a actual place. Even the reference to the sparrow, blessed is the sparrow, for they have a place in your temple. We read that and we think almost like his eye is on the sparrow. He's taking care of the little ones. He's going to take care of us. This is the psalmist actually acknowledging that the birds in the temple, they don't don't know the rules that they're not going to allow to fly into certain parts of the temple. So there are birds that are building their nests in the holy place, in the courts of the Lord. And the psalmist even recognizes that. I imagine one day the psalmist was looking up, seeing the birds building their nests in part of the temple, thinking, Wow, those sparrows are blessed because they are with the presence of God every day. They have a place to raise their young in the courts of the Lord. I love it. That's one of the themes I want to talk about in this Psalm 84 is this. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, a longing to be with God. There's a longing to be in the presence of God that we see throughout this psalm. Better is one day in your courts, in your presence. I long, my soul even faints and yearns to be with you. I'm guessing if we took a show of hands today and I said, how many of you woke up today and said, oh, I've got to get to church. My, I'm about to faint if someone was running late in your house. Kids, I'm about to faint if we don't get to church today. There might not be that many honest hands going up, right? But this is a longing for the presence of God. Now, this longing, he's written about a pilgrimage. He talked about those who are on a pilgrimage. Now, what would happen is the temple was in Jerusalem at this time. This is like probably this psalm was written about a 1,000 years before Jesus came. The temple had been built, and in the temple was the holy place, and that's where the presence of God was. And so a couple of times a year, two, three times a year, at least once a year, all the Israelites would be on a pilgrimage to go to the temple to offer their offerings 
to be in the presence of God, to make a sacrifice to atone for their sins. And so wherever you lived in the, in the region, in the nation of Israel, you would take time where you and your family would get up. As kids, we're going on a road trip. Again, to Jerusalem. Now, this was not a begrudging thing because as we see the psalmist saying, they had such a desire to be with God. This was their chance to journey for days, sometimes weeks at a time, walking to Jerusalem. The journey, and I love, there's certain psalms called Psalms of Ascent where the end of the journey was walking up the hill and they could see Jerusalem and they could see the temple and it was like we are ascending to be with God. This was a big uh, moment, a, pr- a powerful moment in their faith. And so they would be on this pilgrimage. And this pilgrimage was to go be with God. This was not a grudging thing. There was a deep longing for the presence of God. And this really had to do with two things. This idea of a being with God was now on earth, we're with God. We're longing to be with God, so we're going to the temple. And also, how we can apply it to us today is we long to be in the courts of God one day when we get to heaven, right? So I'm going to talk about those kind of two things. The first one is a longing to be in his presence right now on earth. Now, we know the presence of God is not in the room. I mean, it's in the room, but it's not just in the room. presence of God dwells in us. The spirit of God dwells in us. So wherever we go, the presence of God is with us as New Testament believers. But how many of you know there's a difference between knowing that God's presence is there and actually engaging with the Spirit of God, with the presence of God, being mindful of His presence. There are times where, yeah, I recognize God's presence is with me, but there are times where it's like, wow, I am overcome by the presence of God, and I have a longing to be with the presence of God, to engage in His presence. But also it applies to us because we, like the Israelites, are on a pilgrimage. We're on a journey. Every day we are on a journey. We as believers in Jesus, we know heaven awaits us, We are on a journey to be with God, to see Jesus face to face in heaven. This is a pilgrimage that we are on. Our whole life is this journey. We are on our way to heaven to be with God. Now, the psalmist writes, blessed are those whose hearts are on a pilgrimage to be with God in Zion. That's the word that they would describe the city of God. So how many of you remember growing up in church? I know some of you would remember this. Singing the song, we're marching to Zion. Anyone remember that? Yes, I figured there would be a couple of hands there. We're marching to Zion. I even pulled up an old Gaither, Bill Gaither video on YouTube the other day because I couldn't remember how parts of that song went. But I remember singing that song in church. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. I mean, growing up in church, we sang some weird songs, right? As a teenager, I'd be singing that like, I don't understand this. And yet my youth pastor tells me to invite my friends to church, and I don't want to because all these songs are really weird. They would, we would sing these songs. Really, right out of this Psalm 84, we're on a journey to the city of God. For us, it is a journey through our life every day because we know heaven awaits us. Now, why is that significant today? Because if we recognize we are on a pilgrimage, we are on a journey, we have a way different perspective about our life right now. When we can recognize we're here on this earth for a limited time, this is not our home, this is not where we will spend eternity, we are just passing through. Right? I know there's some old gospel songs that talk about that. We're just passing through. But the truth of that statement is we should have the perspective where this world is not our home. Right? This world is not our home. We are on a journey to be with God. 
So what that does is it changes our perspective. We're not home yet. And the more we treat our life on this earth like home, like eternity, the more we get stressed out about stuff. Because if our thinking is, this world is all I got, this life is all I got, I got to make the most of it. I have to make sure I have the most. I got to make sure it's protected and secure. And I got to be stressed out if somebody tries to mess with that because this is all I've got. But when we have the right perspective, a lot of that anxiety and worry just fades away. Have you ever been on a road trip where you're on your way to somewhere great and you got to make a stop somewhere in the hotel you picked? Usually the dad picked it because it's a bargain and like, hey, this is a great deal. That's the start of like, well, most horror movies to start with, but that's the start of like every bad hotel experience for, for families is like, it's fine. I have that mentality. You put me in a hotel that's not great for one night. I'm like, I know where I'm headed. I can deal with just about anything for one night right? Now, in our family, the deal with anything has different definitions because there are times where the rest of my family's like, no, we're not putting up with that. We want some, we want some treasure here on earth, dad. Let's find a better hotel. When we have the right perspective, a lot of the stress that we feel, we recognize it's not necessary because we're not home yet. This world is not our home. One day we will be with God in heaven. That gives us hope, right? Amen? Somebody awake today says amen. That gives us hope. And so I got to be honest with you. With all the stress going on in our world, and we are fed a diet of stress nonstop. I'm honest. I'm not too worked up about all that's going on in our world. I'm not too worked up about it. Something happens in the future, I'm like, eh, it's going to be fine. I'm not, this isn't my home. I'm not here forever. I'm on my way to heaven where everything is going to be made right and perfect, right? Now, here's the deal. While I'm on this earth, I am worked up about the cause of justice for people, justice for the oppressed. I am worked up about this. While I'm here, I recognize that, like you, I bring the light of the world, I bring the presence of God into situations. So those who are weary, those who are down, those who are lost in darkness, I am worked up about making a difference while I'm here. But all the things that stress a lot of people out, I mean, there's bad days, and it's going to be, you know, it's tough. There's tough seasons, but we can go through it recognizing it's fine. We're going to be in heaven one day. So I want to mention that to say some of you need to change that shift in your thinking, that, that um, perspective like the psalmist has. We're on a journey. We're on a journey to be with God, and that gives us hope. That gives us faith. That gives us perspective what we go through. But there's one kind of side note to that. I don't, while we're here, I want us to recognize we're here for a reason. So as Christians, we don't say, doesn't really matter what happens here on earth because we're on our way to heaven, right? Who cares what happens here? This isn't my home. Home's over there, so I'm not worried about this. We are here because true religion says to care for those who are poor. For those, the causes of justice around the world, we fight for those as followers of Jesus. Does that make sense? We don't just say, ah, it's falling apart supposed to happen. It's all going to go to the Antichrist anyway, so why try? That's not what we do as believers. As believers, we say our hope is in heaven, and while we're here, let's get to work. Let's make a difference. Let's do something. So let's have that perspective as followers of Jesus. Amen? Somebody nod with me. Amen. We are on a journey, and that's where our hope comes. So that's the first thing I want to highlight from Psalm 84. Second one is this. The psalm talks about the journey itself, how sometimes it is difficult and long how sometimes there is heartache, how sometimes there are days where you want to give up. And he's talking both as far as like in life there's days we want to give up, but he's talking about the actual journey to Jerusalem itself. There are days where it is difficult terrain. Look at what it says again in verse 6 
and 7. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. And then I love this verse. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The psalmist is acknowledging that journey from wherever they were to Jerusalem, they would have to walk through some difficult terrain. The valley of Baca, that term Baca in Hebrew, it's a word that means tears. It's called the valley of tears. Now, I was doing some research this week on why is it called the valley of tears? Is that where everyone kind of broke down? Is that where the kids had finally had enough with the road trip and the dad said, if you don't smarten up, we're going to turn this thing around and go home? Is that where the tears came from? Possibly. Um, It was a spot that was difficult terrain. It was known as the Valley of Tears for a couple of reasons. One, it was a very dry, difficult part of the journey. Desert conditions, difficult terrain, not a lot of water. So you would get to that point in your journey if you were days in and you still had days to go and you would think, is it worth it? We're walking through the Valley of Tears. There was also a tree that would grow there, a balsam tree. Um, they would call it the, the baca tree because it would have this kind of gum that would excrete from the tree that would look like tears were coming down the side of the tree. And so that's also why they said, this must be the Valley of Tears. That's why they called it that. And then another reason they called it the Valley of Tears, according to some uh, commentaries that I read, is that when it was rainy season, when the rains would come because it was in a valley, the water would kind of run down the sides of the hills leading into this valley. And then there was pools Um, places that the water would collect. And now I love this imagery because they say, you know, sometimes the water would be kind of dripping down the sides and that's why they call it the Valley of Tears. But what the psalmist is saying is they make for it a place of springs. So the water would collect in these pools. And all of a sudden, if uh, if you're on the pilgrimage from wherever you live to Jerusalem and you're walking through this difficult season and you're thinking it's hot, it's dry, and we're in the valley of tears, all of a sudden you would recognize, but because of the provision of God, there's now these pools of water to give us nourishment. What was meant to be a difficult season filled with tears and sorrow is now a season where you recognize God has made this not just bearable, but now a place of strength where the world looks at it and says, this is meant to destroy you or to be a place of weakness or sorrow or brokenness. Because of God, it is now a place of strength. Amen? That is good news. So imagine that. You're walking through with your family, and now God has provided water for you on this journey. So at the spot where you were thinking you were at your weakest, God has made it a place of strength. And he says, I'll do it again. On this journey that we are on, the spots that you go through that seem like you are at the worst, you seem, you're at, you seem to be in a spot that is just the worst of circumstances where you think you don't go on, you can't go on, and God says, I'm going to make this a place of strength, and you get what you need from God so that you can continue on the journey. Isn't that wonderful? I love how that is phrased in Psalm 84. And he says, they go from strength to strength. So on this journey, they go from here, and God has provided everything they need, and it's a place of strength. And then they go over here, it's a place of strength. And then the next day, they have circumstances, but God has provided what they need, and it's a place of strength. From strength to strength to strength. This idea of a journey that we are on is not just something to be endured, is not just something to tolerate. It is a place where we walk with God, and every season, every day is a day of strength. God has given us what we need to walk in strength. We don't see it that way, our life. 
we see our life as circumstances. And so if the circumstances are good, then we feel strong. Yes, God, you're with me. And if they're bad, then we're like, oh, Lord, I can barely make it through. That's going to be difficult in our world today where you don't have to look very far to see, oh, man, the economy or politics or viruses or uh, unrest, racial reconciliation, all these things. You don't have to look very far to find a reason to be stressed. So if our mentality is circumstantial, we're never going to stand in a spot where we say, yes, I'm, a, I'm in a position of strength. But what God says is in any season, you find what you need from him so that you can stand up and say, I'm in a season of strength. I love that. I think we have a bad habit in our world of when you talk to someone, even in the church, and I'd love for the church to do better at this, but when you ask someone, how you doing? What do you get? Oh, tired. Or, oh, man, things are rough. Or, oh, I'm fine. Or if you're in Minnesota, you're like, fine, thank you, and that means terrible on the inside, but I'm just saying it on the outside. What we have available to us is not just lip service, but in the depth of our soul to be able to say when someone says, how you doing today? Strength. Strength. Everything I need today to be strong. That word strength in the Hebrew is the word kail. It means it would be used to describe a soldier or someone who is strong and mighty, but also resourced, well-equipped for whatever they face. That is what's available. So we say, how are we doing today? Strength. Strength. Well, how are you going to be tomorrow? What do you got coming up this week? Strength is what I've got coming up this week. What about if this happens down the road? What are you going to do then? Strength. Because God is with us. Amen? This is what we have available to us. Any day is a day where we can recognize God's goodness. God's goodness is there every day of the journey. God is good. What do you say back? No, you say every day of the journey back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God is good every day of the journey. No, I'm just joking with you. Every day has what you need to recognize the goodness of God, and you can stand in it like those people in the valley of Baca, the valley of tears, and you can say, I am strong because God has given me what I need. And it is not about where I'm at in my journey. It is not about the circumstances that are around me. It is about a perspective that I have that he is everything I need, and he has resourced me with everything so that I can have a day of strength to strength to strength. I love that. We need to walk in that. So maybe we'll do that just for today because people might look at you weird. But how's your day today? Strength, strong, strong, right? I would love that to be more of our verbiage. Here's the deal. Nothing can happen to you today that will outflank God's ability to turn your day into strength. Nothing's going to happen to you that God's like, oh, can't, can't deal with that. You have what you need. This journey that we are on, is going to be difficult, but we go from strength to strength to strength. I love that. All right, third section. The third point I want to make in this is this idea of being in his presence brings us rest. This idea to have moments where we recognize his presence and we respond in worship and we allow our souls to kind of take a deep breath. This is what we see in there as well. Verse 10 says this, and you might know this from a, from a worship song we used to sing. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your presence than a thousand I can do spending time doing anything else. It's this idea of being aware of God's presence, responding in worship. So I want to talk about worship for a minute in this third part of this psalm. I want to talk about being in the presence of God, not just uh, walking around recognizing he's with us, but having those moments where we're aware that God is with us and we respond in worship. So I'm going to talk about that in two ways. The second way, which we're going to talk about in a minute, is we're going to talk about what we do when we come to church and we sing songs. We did it today. 
We're going to talk about how we did today in our worship. So I'm going to give you all a grade. No, I'm not going to do that. But here's well, when we come into church, we have that moment where we sing. Why do we do that? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first I want to talk about this, not just singing songs, not just in church, but being aware of God's presence and having moments of worship and kind of soul replenishing wherever we are. There's been times where it's, you know, the reason we ask you to read your word and pray during the week is there's going to be times, it's happened to me where I'm reading the word and something that I've read a bunch of times will just kind of jump out and I'll have kind of a Holy Spirit moment where I sense the presence of God is moving just in a, in a unique way and I respond in worship. Just th- sometimes I start singing, even if that's weird, you know, it might be weird at Target or something, but um, I, I, there's times where just at home where I'm just having a moment of worship saying, God, I love you, thank you, praise you, you are good, you are faithful. You have those moments where your heart just kind of relaxes, your soul relaxes, and you realize, yes, you are everything we need. We are desperate for those moments in our soul. If we carry around this stress so long, it starts to eat away at us. we got to have these moments throughout our week where we have these worshipful moments. It might be in times of prayer and Bible reading. It might be when you're listening to worship music. It might be times when you're just quiet and still, and we don't do this nearly enough. Our world is noise all the time. Our phones are always in our faces just filling us with noise. So I think there needs to be a time where we are still. The devices are away, and if you can, the kids are away, far away too. Or Sometimes with me, it's in the backyard, and I'm just sitting there still. Maybe there's a bonfire going, and I'll be aware of the presence of God. I'm just like, Lord, you are good. It's a time of worship. Like me, if you're like me, it's sometimes when I'm outside enjoying nature in some way, it's like I'm aware of God's presence. And even if I'm golfing terribly, I can have a moment of worship to our God. And also, Lord, help me with my golf game. There's that moment where you are alone with God and you will have a time of worship. Does that make sense? The second thing I want to talk about is what we do on Sunday mornings, corporate worship, public worship, where we sing together. What we do on Sunday mornings where we, you know, we did it today, we took about 15 minutes and we sang together. We sang together. Three songs. We usually do three songs. And why we do that is not just to fill the first 15 minutes. It's not just to say, well, some people show up 15 minutes late, so we've got to fill the time before everyone gets here. What we do at the start of this service is important. It is vital to our faith where we come together and we collectively kind of combine our faith and we lift our voices and sing. Okay? So this is what we do when we worship together. There is power when we lift our voices together. And I mean that literally speaking. Sing some songs. And you're thinking, well, I don't sing. I know you sing because sometimes if you're at a Vikings game and they start playing Sweet Caroline over the thing, everybody's singing. If you've been at a place somewhere where Sweet Caroline starts playing, every one of you is doing the ba-bam-bas, right? Right. It just is an environment that you're like, yes, I sing. So I know you can all sing. Here's the deal. You don't have to be a good singer. But there is power when we come in and we lift our voices. When we lift our voices. If you've been in an environment where, whether it's a concert or a sporting event, and all of a sudden everyone around you is singing, don't you just feel kind of the energy change in the room at that moment? Don't you just kind of feel that? That happens when we sing. And more than just, you know, singing a song at a stadium or Sweet Caroline or whatever it is, when we come into this place and we're singing songs that are talking about the truth of Scripture and who God is, and the character of God, and his love for us, and we lift our voices together, that is a powerful thing. So I want to encourage you to sing, okay? 
I want to encourage you to sing. There is something that happens. We sing songs together in unity. It's like the the thing that we can do that we are most unified because we're singing the same words. We're declaring the same truths. We are joining together, lifting up our God. That is a spiritually significant thing. So I know some of you are like, I don't like to sing. And sometimes when I'm up here watching you, I can tell. Okay, so here's, we have the words on the screen, and what happens is it's a song that we're somewhat familiar with. And just side note, we actually are, we take some time to think about the songs that we're going to sing. We don't want them to be all new songs so that we're all working hard to try to learn new songs, but we also want there to be some newer songs so you don't get bored with the old ones. But we sing some old songs. We sing some choruses that are 30, 40 years old. We sing some hymns that are 100 years old. The idea is we want you to be familiar enough with the song so that you don't have to just stare at the screen. Now, I know a lot of you are like, well, I don't know what else to do. I'm here in a room, and it's bright, and everyone can see me, and now they want to hear me to sing. And So a lot of you kind of just stare down, and, like, you just have this look of, like, I just need this to be over. And I get it. It's weird. Or I'm going to stare at the screen even though I've sang this song one million times, and I know every word. But here's what I'd like us to do. And I know it's a bright room where everyone can see, and that's what I love about this room. This room is set up where it could be just this great atmosphere of worship. If everyone was lifting their voices, it would sound great, and we can see everybody, and our faith would be lifted, and we'd recognize we're doing this together. But we need to participate in that. This is an encouragement for you to participate. Sing along. If you know the words, maybe close your eyes, right? Sing it out. Think about, the whole point is that we think about the words that we're singing and that causes our heart to be stirred where we sing out the goodness of God, okay? We can do that. You might even want to raise your hand. What? You might even want to lift up your hand as a sign of worship, as a sign of surrender. The Bible talks about all sorts of postures of worship, lifting our hands, bowing down, singing, dancing. I would love for us to get there one day, right? That would be super fun, where this was just a lively place of enthusiastic praise and worship. I know we're Minnesotans, and it's going to take us a while, but let's work towards that, okay? We're going to need everyone to participate in that. Can we do that? Is God worth us doing that a little bit? Amen. I want us to recognize what we do as we come together. There's something significant about being in a room with people singing. That phrase, they go from strength to strength, and I'm going to wrap up with this. They go from strength to strength. That Hebrew word, kail, that talks about soldiers being strong, really another interpretation or definition of that word would be a company of soldiers. It's talking about a company of soldiers, almost like strength in numbers, like strength in camaraderie, recognizing you're a part of a strong group. So when you read that verse, walking through the valley of tears, they go from strength to strength. They go from company to company. They go from groups of people that encourage them to groups of people that encourage them. They go from seasons where even though it's difficult, they recognize they're not alone and there are others lifting them up and supporting them. So if you think about the journey from wherever they lived in Israel to Jerusalem and they walk through a difficult season, they get to a point where they want to give up in the journey. And since everyone's on the same journey, there's people around. There's groups of people at certain spots. So you get to a point in the journey where you're like, I don't know if I can go on. It's too difficult. And all of a sudden, you're around a group of people that are on the same journey as you, that have a same love of God for you, that say, let's go. We can do this together. Let me walk with you for a while. And you recognize I'm not alone. I go from strength to strength. I go from company to company. I go from fellowship to fellowship, where you go through another season and you recognize there's people around me that are helping me. This is what the church is. 
This is why it's important for us to lift our voices and sing. We don't just stare at the screen. We lift our voices because it stirs our hearts, and it also encourages those around us. We're not in this together. We go from strength to strength, fellowship to fellowship, company to company. Isn't that great? I love that idea of this is what the church could be when we come together on Sunday mornings. If you're watching online today, I'm glad you're watching online, and uh, here's what I want to say about that. Online is great, but it's not the same as being in the room. It's not the same as being in the room. So much of church, the whole word church is not a service. It's not an institution. The word church is a congregation, a gathering, a fellowship. There is something different about being in the room. If you're watching online today, that's awesome. We'd love to have you here, and I'm always going to be encouraging people, get in the room because we do this together. We lift our faith together. If you're watching online from far away and you can't get in the room, find another. You can keep watching. That's great. Find a room that you can be a part of with other people because there is power in what we do here when we sing together, when we lift each other up. When we encourage each other, recognizing we're on a journey, this world is not our home. When people are walking through the valley of tears, we say, I got you. I'm going to help you. Keep your eyes fixed on our journey together. We're going to walk with you. We're going to get through this together. How can I help? We're going to encourage each other so that together we go from strength to strength. We lift each other up. We declare the praises of God together. This is what the church is about. Amen? Amen. This is, what ava- this is what is available to us, perspective and hope and peace and a longing to be with God and a desire to be with other believers in his presence, strength for the journey, everything we need. So my prayer today is that you would be strengthened, whatever you're walking through, that you would recognize the perspective and the hope of heaven, that God has given you everything you need for right now, and that you're not alone, that you're with a group of people that are on the same journey, and that should fill us all with hope today, amen? Let's stand together. I'd love us just to sing that chorus again. You